Hi, this is Rabbi Duvi Ben Shushan from Congregation Magen Abraham, located on East 9th between T and Avenue U. Thank you so much in advance for listening to the following shiur. One of the great and heroic personalities of the last century, a great gadol by the name of the Klosenberger Rebbe, Zechet Sadik Lebracha, he miraculously survived Auschwitz, but he survived alone. He left over his wife and his nine sons who did not survive Auschwitz. It's amazing, they say over every year in Parshat Vayishlach that the Rebbe used to cry. You know, we would read that Yaakov Avinu, how he would split his camp about to fight Esav, and he would split between his wives and his children half and half, hoping that even if one half would fight, the other would live to get away. And the Rebbe would krechs, and he would cry, and he would say, by him, not half, but he had to give up the entire family, all nine sons, and his wife, to the Nazis, Yamach Shemam Vizichram. But he did survive Auschwitz. And ladies, I want to tell you, this is a person that if you wanted a really good read, go to the Svarim store. You buy the book on the life of the Klosenberger Rebbe. I'm telling you, you'll read it. You won't put it down. This is something of an amazing, heroic Klosenberger Rebbe, a heroic individual, a great Gadol in Klal Yisrael. But what I want to share with you is the amazing dirasha that the Klosenberger Rebbe gave in Auschwitz on the Shabbat of Shabbat Chukat. Now, you might think to yourself for a moment, a dirasha in Auschwitz? How do you give dirashot in Auschwitz? The Nazis, Yemach Shemam, every moment they were terrorizing them. And that is true. They were out in the fields, and they would stand and be whipped and be beaten. But you know what kept them going? Kept them going great gidolim like the Klosenberg Rebbe. He would stand with them in the fields, and as they were working and as they were being beaten, he would speak divre Torah. He would give them words of encouragement. And, and as he'd be speaking to them, the Nazis would see that the Rebbe would be a source of strength and inspiration to the other people. They would start beating the Rebbe as well. But you think that would stop him? It wouldn't stop him. He would continue to give his derasha. He would continue to speak and give inspiration. And he would keep the people alive. I'm about to share with you the derasha that the Klosenberger Rebbe gave in Auschwitz on Parshat Chukat. And this is something to hear. Says the great Klosenberger Rebbe, Zechet Tzadik Lebracha in Auschwitz. He turned to the peoples and he told them, in the parasha para aduma in Chukat, there you'll find the three nekudot, the three points for the success of learning Torah. And the first one, he says, is to review your learning 101 times. The second one, he says, is irat shamayim. Shiviti Hashem l'negdi tamid. Which, ladies, I want to tell you, at first glance, the word shiviti Hashem l'negdi tamid, right away, we think it means simple, irat shamayim. 
and how a person should try to take that message and to live with the feeling that wherever they go, Hashem is there. But that's on a very basic level. If you take a look in the Mishnah Burah, in the beginning of Shulchan Aruch, he gives a different explanation to the way we fulfill Shiviti Hashem Tamid. He says, the Mishnah Burah, that you are supposed to visualize in your mind, Yud Ke Vav Ke. In your mind, as if literally you're able to see it. With the Nikudot of Yir'ah, he brings. Which means that you're supposed to visualize the Yud and the Ke and the Vav and the Ke with the Chirik under the Yud, a Sheva under the He, and a Kamatz under the Vav. And that is the Nikudot of Yir'ah, the proper Shiviti Hashem, Lenegdi Tamid. So therefore, when it's said to have Hashem in front of your eyes at all times, it literally meant to have the image of Yudke Vavke in front of your eye, mind's eye at all times. And then the third thing, said the Klosenberger Rebbe, for the success of learning, and that is when you learn to say it out loud. Not to read with your eyes, not to mumble, but rather when you learn it, sing it, say it, let it resonate inside of you, in your bones, in your mind, in your heart. These were the three keys in Auschwitz that he told the people, the three success keys for learning Torah. And then he turns to the people and says, and it's right there in that first pasuk in the parasha. The people looked at the Rebbe. Rebbe, three keys for learning Torah success. And the first pasuk of para aduma and parashat chukat. Where in the world do you see in this parasha anything about Torah? Listen to the genius of the Rebbe. How, with such great eyes, you could see things that others just don't see. And there it is in the first pasuk. He quoted to them the pasuk, Zot chukat ha-Torah, asher tziva Hashem lemor. Says the Rebbe, Zot, the word Zot stands for, spells out, Zichor al tishkach. Remember, don't forget, chukat ha-Torah. These are the laws and the ways to succeed in Torah learning. And what are they? <coughs> there are three things. The first one we said was to review 101 times. The second one we said was to have Hashem's name in front of your eyes at all times with those special nikudot, Yerat Shamayim. And the third one was to say it out loud. Says the Rebbe, there it is, right in the Pasuk. Zot, Zechor al Tishkach, Chukat Torah. These are the secrets of Torah. What are they? One. Asher Tziva. The word Tziva is Gematria 101. Review it 101 times. The next word is Hashem. Asher Tziva Hashem. The next word is Hashem. Have Yudke Vavke in front of your eye at all times. Shaviti Hashem. Tamid. And then finally, the third one was Lemor. Lemor means to say it out, to say it out loud, to hear it, to learn it, to live it, to feel it. Wow. Take a look. Says the Rebbe, here it was, the first pasuk. Here you find the secrets to the success of growing and learning Torah in the first pasuk of that parasha. It's amazing, you know, the people turned to the Rebbe and they said, Rebbe, but in Auschwitz, you're talking to us about para aduma. 
You're talking to us about limud Torah? What do we have here? We're, we're fighting for our lives, for our survival. And the Rebbe says, yes, this is the best place to talk about para aduma. He says, you know why? Because the theme and the real secret behind para aduma is the concept Sadiq gozer that's one idea. Therefore, we have to accept. But there's something else, says the Rebbe, and that is Sadiq Veratlo Rasha Vitovlo. And how is that? Where do you see Sadiq Veratlo Rasha Vitovlo in Paraduma? Says the Rebbe, that's very simple. You see, Paraduma is a great mystery, it baffles logic. The one that is spraying the blood, he starts off Tahor. But then once he sprays, the tahor becomes tameh, sadiq veratlo. And then sure enough, the one that receives the spraying, well, he was tameh, and then he becomes tahor. So rasha vetovlo. So he says, take a look. It's from para aduma that we learn. Sadiq veratlo, rasha vetovlo. That even when we don't understand what's going on in this world, even when things seem not to make sense, nonetheless, we know that it's from Hashem. And that He has a hashbon, and He has a plan, and if to Him, to Him it's just, then we accept. Therefore, says the Rebbe, that is the answer to Auschwitz. Para Aduma. And the people were like, wow. We don't understand. And we can't make logic out of this. And it wasn't given for logic to be made. But at the same time, we accept it like so many different difficult things in this world to accept. Can we make sense? Is it logical? The smartest of all men. And this he said, I don't understand it. And Hashem said, that's okay. You don't have to understand everything. But except, we have the Amunan Hashem. We know that although it makes no sense, but it must be for the best. And by the way, ladies, I just want to throw out there an idea and a point. The Maharal Prague, when he comes to give a definition to the concept of Emunah in Hashem, do you know how the way he describes belief? He describes emunah as not faith, but rather he describes emunah as faith in Hashem that everything he does is good. That's the way he describes emunah. It's not that you believe there is a God. Some people think that that's what emunah is, that they believe there is a God. God doesn't need your endorsements. That's not what it's about. Says the Maharal, you know what real emunah is about? That you believe that everything that God does is chesed. Everything that Hashem does is for the best, is for the good. Whether we see it or not. Whether we understand it or not. Just like para aduma, Just like Auschwitz. And that's what the Rebbe was telling these people in Parshat Chukat. What a powerful dirasha. Wow. And nonetheless, you know, the people asked the Rebbe, Rebbe, <laughs> you blew us away. Paraduma makes sense to us now. But you taught us, though, that from Paraduma, we're learning out the three keys to the success of learning Torah 
You didn't explain to us how you learn out Torah from Para Aduma. That we still don't understand. And listen to the Rebbe's genius and incredible answer. And this is going to set the stage for everything we're going to speak about today. Answers the Rebbe. There is no better place to learn out success of Torah learning than Para Aduma. He says, you know why? Because just like Para Aduma works supernaturally, without logic, we don't understand. So too, Torah works on a person supernaturally. In ways that we just don't understand. In ways that defy logic. In ways that baffle us. Ladies, I can tell you eyewitness from I don't know how many hundreds of guys already over the last 16 years that we sent to Eretz Yisrael to learn, just as an example, like a group of guys that we have upstairs now in the shul. That's why the class is down here this week. A whole group that just came back from Eretz Yisrael. We handed over the Bet Midrash, Ben Azmanim, because their rabbis flew in from Israel just to be with them here. Ben Azmanim, to sit with them and to work with them and to kind of incorporate them back into the American system which is a great Mesirut Nefesh for these Rebbe's. You know, Ben Azmanim, you think it's the time of their vacation, they finally get a break. But not these guys. They picked up their families, their wives, their kids, they got on a plane, flew back to America, just to sit with their students, Ben Azmanim, to kind of incorporate them, that they have a good place to come back, and a good system to click into. That shows dedication. But I want to tell you, how many of these guys that I watched over the years, not all of them, when it came time to graduate high school, were they on a level to even learn a chumash. I'm not talking about a gemara. Forget about that. I'm talking about so many that just basically were able to read and know a little chumash. Gemara, no, that already was, was, was too much for them. And suddenly, they disappear. And they go to Eretz Israel. And they kind of detox from the United States. And they get away to a beautiful place of Kiddusha. And they sit there and they learn day and night. And there's nothing to distract them there. There's no monies, there's no Lexuses, there's no glitz, there's no... It is just Torah clean. It's a different world. It's like an island in the sky. It's a different system. It's a different mindset, a different focus, a different people. Wow, a different people. But because of that, they're able to really put themselves into the learning day and night. And they go away for six months. And it's amazing. Supernatural. Defies all logic. The guy that couldn't read a word of Gemara, six months later, he comes back to the United States. He walks into that shul, the first Shabbat. We all jump on the guy. Welcome back. You look great. You look like you're shining. What did you do this year? And the guy smiles and says, I finished two mesechtot. Excuse me? You did what? You couldn't read. Six months? I'm not talking about six years ago. Six months ago, you couldn't read. You didn't even know which way Gemara was right side up or upside down. You finished two mesechtot. Just yeah. Wow! That's what the Rebbe said. Rebbe says, let's learn Torah out from Para Aduma. 
Paraduma works in ways that we just don't understand. Supernatural. Torah works on people in ways that we just don't understand. It is supernatural. But one thing I want to tell you, how it works, only Hashem knows, but it works. And oh, does it work. And we have so many, so many wonderful guys, success stories. And young ladies, by the way, these days, a lot of young ladies are going now for seminary in Eretz Yisrael. They're coming back with such wonderful she'ifot. Such wonderful hashkafa, such new and beautiful, beautiful ideas of what a Jewish home is really to look like. Today we've seen that success. But ladies, I want to take this a step further. And I hope Hashem gives me the right words to bring this out. Because in the times we're living in now, it's not really a luxury anymore. Today, to bring up our sons and our daughters, our husbands, without a daily dosage of some sort of a Torah vitamin, it is so difficult to survive today in the Galut, in the America that we're living in. And don't get me wrong, this is a land of chesed, and we have a tremendous hakarat atov to the United States, we're actually living in a place that they're not persecuting us. They don't hate us openly. They don't come after us openly. And because of that, we have a tremendous hakaratatov to the United States for that. There's no question about it. But nonetheless, there is so much out there today that our guys are going up against, our young ladies are going up against. The social media today how it's destroying so many Jewish lives. How many Jewish marriages. I heard only recently from an attorney who lives here in the community and he works with many different couples. And he told me, he says, I don't know what's going on out there. God forbid it's like an epidemic. He says, once upon a time in this community, the concept of divorce, it hardly existed. And has and, and for shalom to think that today it's so rampant. Today it's like, uh, hey kids, like, all right. As if it's an option. There is no option. Not in Jewish hashkafa. But nonetheless, he told me that after filing the paperwork of so many, so many different divorce cases in the community, he said 85% of the paperwork had in it in the literature <coughs> had in it a mentioning of either Facebook, had in it either mentioning some sort of social media that was there to rip apart and sever those drawstrings that hold a marriage together. So if we're going up against that much out there, where's the insurance plan? What keeps us good? I can only tell you what works for what I've seen. Maybe there are people out there that have new rabbits to pull out of hat tricks. I don't. I have just one trick. I'm a one trick pony these days. And that is learning. I, I, it's the only thing I found that works. Especially with the guys at least. And with the young ladies as well. How they come every Shabbat. Rain, snow. Uh, these women are amazing. But they grow and they grow and they grow week after week, week after week. And the guys, what can I tell you? They know. They know good and well that every time they start to veer and start to float away 
from where they know they should be, if they have some sort of a connection to a learning, to a rabbi, to a rebbe, they're part of a night seder at night of a hundred guys, they have something that constantly pulls them back to where they're supposed to be. If there isn't a Torah running through their veins, what continues to refine them? What continues to keep them good? Nothing else. At least not from what I've seen. Don't get me wrong. People that are involved in chesed, the mitzvot, do tremendous. There are many mitzvot that protect people. But believe me when I tell you in this area, barati yetzer hara u barati Torah tavlin. That's what the Gemara says. Gemara says the only remedy to that yetzer hara is learning learning and learning. But I want to tell you something that I found out. A very close student of mine got married this past week. A boy by the name of Yasik Babir. Um, something I found out from these guys that really opened my eyes to a new level. Till now I always thought that the Torah learning is what kept them good. I didn't realize that it does much, much more. It gets them to want to give back and to do for others as well. You see, because when you have a Torah in you, you want to share it. You want to be able to help others. You want to be able to enlighten them. Listen to this. I don't know if you remember this. A few years back, we had the hurricane. Sandy, I'm sure everybody might remember. And uh, that night, now, I don't know where you are, but I can tell you where I was. Yeah, I heard the on the phone. I was on the phone. Oh, you were on the phone? Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Wow, I... Uh, it was in uh, Yes, I was in Lakewood. I was not in Brooklyn. And I want to tell you something. I, I know Brooklyn got it really hard. And I saw the pictures with the cars on the benches of Ocean Parkway. I, believe me, I remember. And how the water, I heard, came almost down to Avenue X. I heard. But I want to tell you, in Lakewood that night, although it wasn't to that extent because we're not as close to the water, but the power was out. Everything was pitch black. The power was down. And all I had was a cell phone and a flashlight that I don't remember where I put. And I was literally walking around the house in the pitch black, banging my toes into tables and my knees into chairs just trying to find that flashlight. And then as I'm, I, I finally found it, my phone goes on. I'm thinking, who in the world is calling me in the middle of a hurricane? I mean, everyone is out doing whatever they need to do. Hello? Rabbi? I said, yeah, Yassel, what's doing? Rabbi, listen. You know there's a hurricane out there. I said, yes, I know. There's a hurricane out there. Believe me, we're getting it pretty hard here in Lakewood. All the power is down, pitch black, no air conditioning, everything's out. I said, Yossel, what's going on in Brooklyn? He starts telling me, oh, you don't understand. This guy had to leave his house. This guy's basement got filled up. Terrible. So I said, okay, so what's doing? He says, listen, Rabbi, I got an idea. A lot of people, they're really worked up. They're kind of scared. They don't know what's going to be, and they're panicking. What do you think if we do a uh, teleconference call where we can have people get a number and call in, and you can get on that line and give him hizuk? I said, uh, Yossi, listen, I don't know about you, 
But we're in the middle of a hurricane here, boy. Wake up. I, I got a family. I got kids. My man, my wife is in a room with standing with candles. She doesn't know what to do. You want to give me a... And, and you'll see between me and you. Come on. People are, are, are fending for whatever it is that they're fending for at home. You think people are wanting to hear a class? I mean, it's a hurricane. He said to me, Rabbi, listen, I'm telling you. I heard from a lot of people they could use some chizuk. They're really scared. I said, I don't know. All right, listen. I'll call you back in five minutes. Let me think out. Let me think about it. He says, well, okay, uh, Rabbi, don't take more than five minutes because I already sent out the text message. <laughs> yeah, so if you like I said, really? Yeah, yeah, well, uh, yeah, he told me what the number was. I, I'm scared to tell you what the number was. And if, he, if I would have not known the number, it would have been easier for me to give that class. But he said to me, he says, Rabbi, don't take more than five minutes because I sent out the text and uh, there's already over 900 people on the line. And he says, I'm calling the... The, the phone teleconference company and I'm negotiating with them to get more data so we could add people because people are calling in and I said are you serious I said Yossi you did that he said yeah I, I, he says I, 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 I he says I just can't sit here and listen to people worked up and need chizuk and not do anything I was so taken by this guy it's unbelievable I said this is a ben Torah that's a Ben Torah. That's a guy that wasn't thinking about himself. That wasn't thinking about, okay, if I'm good, that's it, chalas, you know, my house is okay. My basement doesn't have water. I have flashlights with batteries. I'm, I'm okay. I'll make it till tomorrow. No, that, that's not what was going on with this guy. He was thinking about Klali Israel. Suddenly we start to become selfless instead of selfish. That's a big sign of a Ben Torah. Suddenly we start having Midot. And a certain way, start caring about people that once before, I don't know if they would have even thought along these terms. When I hung up that phone, I said to myself, what am I going to say? I never spoke in the middle of a hurricane before. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want, what do you say? I said to myself, but it doesn't matter. I said, Bore Olam helped Yasik Babia get 900 people on a telephone conference call in a matter of an hour or whatever it was. I'm sure he'll give me the words to say something. This is what it means to be connected to Torah. This is what it means to be a Ben Torah. Like the Rebbe said, and he said it well, there's no better place to learn growth and success of Torah than from Para Aduma. Para Aduma works in supernatural ways, in ways that we just can't make sense out of. Torah works on people in supernatural ways. And by the way, ladies, it gives them supernatural success. Because it's not about them anymore. Suddenly they realize they're not working for themselves anymore. Now suddenly they realize they're working for Klal Yisrael. They're working for Borei Olam. They want to be Mahazek people. They want to go out and do for people. This very same guy, this Yossi, just to mention... Only because he's a good example. I, 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 uh, you know, I, I. He has a good shodesh. He has a good shodesh. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know his grandfather. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's what I heard. I heard he kind of has from good, uh, good people. Yeah. Nonetheless, nonetheless, from what from what I understand, a few years back, my brother, uh, Rabbi Avi, who today is in uh, in YDE, 
So he, at that point, had a sleepaway camp for guys in the community. It was called Camp Extreme Sports. And they had uh, grounds up in the mountains. And it was very successful. He had over 100 and some odd guys. And they loved it. They had a great time every summer. And you know how it is. The minute you start doing something good for Kalal Yisrael, and you start getting guys to really get into it, and to keep Shabbat, and uh, that's the minute that, you know, one day the lady of the grounds called and said that she decided to just give the grounds away to somebody else. And he had no grounds to run the camp, and he wasn't able to continue the camp. Because of them. I'm, I'm telling you, Ma'asir Satan. Nonetheless, I remember one summer, he tells me, he was running his camp in the middle of the summer, my brother, and he calls me up in the middle of summer and he says to me, he says to me, hey, you know, one of these Rabbi Dovi guys just drove by my uh, camp. I said, which Rabbi Dovi guy are you talking about? <laughs> so he says, I want to tell you, this guy comes in and he says, this guy was an unbelievable salesman. He walks up to me and he says to me, hi, Rabbi Avi, I'm a student to your brother, Dovi. Um, do you mind, I brought 150 pirates seat with me, it's in my trunk. Do you mind if I give out the seat to all the boys in the camp? My brother Avi said, my, my, my pleasure, please. <laughs> this is the real Tfadalu, you know, this is the real, this is not the, you know, this is the real, go ahead, do it. So he went, he pulled out his CC and he started going, my brother tells me, he says, in literally a half an hour, he said, I don't know how this kid did it. He says, we're working with this kid all, these kids all summer. He says he got the entire, he put, his words, he plastered the entire camp in CC. He says he even got tzitzit on the Mexicans that worked at the camp. He said everybody was walking out wearing tzitzit. And they took this big camp picture, which I still have to today. He sent it to me of about 100 kids in bathing suits, of course, and, and, and Crocs. But they're wearing tzitzit. The strings flying everywhere. You take a look at the people that it means something to them. Ladies, we're fighting a war out there. I don't know if you've realized this, and we're going up against a lot. And I wish we could say that we're winning that war. Halavai, uh, halavai. But one thing is true. The great words of the venerable Rabbi Elchanan Wasserman, Zechet Tzadik Lebracha, who in the 1930s, he said words of mamash prophecy, mamash words of nevoah. Rabbi Elchanan Wasserman, he got up in one of the hotels in New York City, and he addressed all the American rabbis at that time. They were begging him. They said, Rabbi Hanna, don't go back to Europe. Things don't look good. Doesn't look good. Don't go back. And Rabbi Hanna told them, in confidence, he says, I know. I know that I have to go back because that's where my Talmidim are. And I know I'm not going to live. He said it. He says, I know I'm going to die with them. And I'm going to die with them. He says, but a Rebbe belongs with his Talmidi. That's it. And then he turned to the people and he told them something incredible, which actually is printed in his book. And you can pick up this book in the Svanim store because they now have it in English. The name of the book is Ikvita de Mishiha, written by Rebbe Hanan Wasserman Zatzal. And over there, Rebbe Hanan writes three incredible signs that's going to happen right before the coming of Mashiach. Three things. The first thing, says Rabbi Hanan, is that all the isms of the world, now to say this in the 1930s, is right, right out nevoah. But the isms of the world are going to disappear. Communism, 
in the 1930s? Wow, it was on the rise. Socialism in the 1930s? Forget about it, on the rise. Today, communism? It's a joke. Socialism? Eh, if you need health insurance. But that's it, it's a joke, it's nothing. All these fa fascism, right? The Nazis, Germany, it's all gone. It, in those years, they were the superpower. To say it then, to say that all these big giants of superpower in the 30s, but right before Mashiach comes, they're going to be gone. And sure enough, today, they're gone. All of them, all the isms, the way he called it, they're all gone. The second sign, he said, right before the coming of Mashiach, and that is it's going to feel like time is flying so fast. He says people are going to turn around and say, wow, look at that. A year feels like a month. And a month feels like a week. And a week, he said, you blink. And Shabbat is here. He says people want to know, where did the week go? We started Sunday and already I'm cooking for Shabbat. What's going on? He says that time. It's going to be as if a voice is crying out to the hand that's turning the wheel of time, screaming faster, faster, faster. Because the Shekhinah is in Sa'ar, in Galut. And this has to end already. So the second sign, he says, time. It's going to go so quick. So quick. The first one was isms. The, 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 the governments are all going to, right? The big superpowers are going to disappear. Second one was time is going to fly. And then the third one, he says, and this is, I guess, the most pre prevalent, prevalent <laughs> to today is, he says, right before Mashiach comes, we're going to be fighting for every Jewish child. That was his words. Now, you know, in old generations, those words meant fighting for every Jewish child. There were times we had to fight against the church. There were times we had to fight against governments. There were times we had to fight against the czar. They used to outlaw the learning of Torah. They used to put into the yeshivot all different types of ridiculous studies just to mess up the Jewish mind. They would fight over sending these kids out to Hasri Shalom places just to lose their Judaism. That's what we thought at the time he meant. But today we're here in a free America. Today we have so many yeshivot. So what did he mean? Oh, we know what he meant. Oh, do we know what he meant? Today we are fighting for the life of every child in Klal Yisrael. And who is the enemy? Who are we going up against? The streets. The streets. Every child. We've got fifth graders walking around with iPhones. With one button. One button. They can go to places. They can walk through a window to end up, God forbid, in the back streets of Paris. God forbid, in the worst of worst places. Ladies, I don't, I don't want to upset you. I don't want to share with you phone calls. You know, these phone calls, once upon a time, we used to get about 21-year-olds, not about 9-year-olds. Shema Yisrael. Recently in the yeshiva, I uh, substituted for a ninth grade Rebbe who had a simcha, couldn't make it. So they asked me to come in and sub. So, you know, as a substitute, this goes back a few years. It's not really recently. As a substitute, as a substitute, I'm standing in front of the class and I'm teaching them a Gemara because when you're with the class just once, it's one idea, one topic, one message. I mean, 
And if you, even if you get that, that's already, that's a lot. That's already a lot. But I, a lot of times at the end of that class, there's about five, ten minutes left till the bell goes off. So uh, I decided with this class, again, these were ninth graders. Ninth graders in our system is the age group of 13 and 14 years old, ballpark. So I turned to the kids and I said to them, okay guys, we ended early. And I was very happy that we covered the Gemara we covered. Wow, as a sub, it was great. We still have 10 minutes. Let's use the time. Let's use the time. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to do a, we call it a fish elbeck session, which is really ask the rabbi. That's really it. But you know, fish, just uh, say it. Get it out. I will not tell your principal your any, I, this is just in confidence between rabbi and student. Just let it go. Because every boy has stuff on his mind, especially 14, 15. They're starting to develop a little bit. These days, a little bit more than a little bit. So, you know, well, I wanna, between me and you, why do I do this? I do this because I want to hear where they're holding. But also, sometimes when you catch them early, it could be a difference of night and day to their future. So I say, go ahead, guys, fish, just go ahead, let it go. So obviously, a new class with a substitute Revy. Every thank you so much. If you can put the other one. I made a bit of in the beginning. Obviously, with a new Rebbe, all the kids are stahi, you know, they're all shy. They're all sh nobody wants to talk. So I picked one kid in the back who I thought was a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a chevraman, you know, a little bit uh, outgoing. And I said, okay, we're gonna start with you in the back. There has to be a question that you can stump the rabbi with, because I know you're a smart kid, but I see you have a lot. So I want to hear it. So the kid feels all good about himself. He called me a smart kid. I'm going to be the one to stump the rabbi. Sure. He stood up. He stood up and he says, well, rabbi, I actually have a, a few questions. Ladies, I cannot tell you what those questions are. Nor do you want to hear what those questions are. I was, I, it took all the king's horses and all the king's men from holding Humpty Dumpty from falling apart again. I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. My jaw dropped. And I could not believe that I was having such a conversation with a 14-year-old. And then when this kid opened up the subject, that was that little crack in the window shield. All of a sudden, all his friends, the whole class, and it all came out. And it came out more and more. And, and me, I'm just holding my breath. And I looked at the kids and I said, guys, tell me, how long have you been dealing with these issues? Five years. Five years. So I, I made a cheshbon in my head. Let's see. Fourteen. Five years. That means nine years old. Nine years old. These were issues that in my day, we were dealing with these, this stuff. Seventeen. Eighteen. The earlier guys that matured earlier, 16. Nine? Never. Never, never heard of. At nine years old in the old days, you know what we used to do? We played basketball. Today it's a different world. Today they lost their, their interest in sports. They're on the computer all day. 
They're on the phone all day. They're going to Shema Yisrael. What is going to keep our kids good? What is going to save this generation? Said Rebel Khanan, remember, right before the coming of Mashiach, this is the war. The war is to keep a hand, a hold, a grip on every last child in Klal Yisrael is not to lose any of them. And even more so, to have people that still care enough to want to fight that war. To be able to have soldiers that are going to go out and save the neshamot of so many of our young. Without Torah, there is no way to survive in today's times. And that's why, Bezat Hashem, when we continue to see the flourishing of Torah in our community, when we continue to see so many of these wonderful guys, like the guys upstairs, who come back from Eretz Yisrael, who continue to stay in Torah learning, they give us a hizuk. But ladies, I have to tell you, our husbands, our sons, and I give you the biggest beracha, your future son-in-laws, you have to know that those if they're connected to Torah, that will be their saving grace. They will be a better father. They'll be a better husband, a loyal husband. They'll be somebody that you hoped for them to be because there it is, pulling them back and giving them the proper basics of life. We should be zocheh, like the Rebbe said, just like para aduma that works supernaturally. The Torah works on people supernaturally. It makes us a super people. Today, we don't want to be just an ordinary people. We don't want our sons, our daughters, our husbands to be ordinary. We're living life anyways. We're living life anyways. Why be ordinary if for the same price we can be great? All it takes is a connection to Torah. And that is going to be the survival for this generation. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. This is Rabbi Dovi Ben Shushan from Congregation Magen Abraham. Please tune in every week on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Have a great week. Shabbat Tov.